Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views over on the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. I got one week left and then I'm headed on vacation for spring break. So I see the light at the end of the tunnel. It, is this Dollywood? Is this Branson? What is uh, this? Dollywood. This, this okay. Bran- it's Dollywood this time. Oh, I wish it was Branson. Oh, now you got me worried or not worried, but now you have me um, upset that we're not going to Branson. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm very sorry. I, Dollywood we're going sounds to Branson like it will be amazing. East Tennessee. How about that? There you go. Yes. There you go. Yeah. So you're going yeah, to- we're being Pigeon Forge, yeah. There you go. And um, I mean, I've never been to Dollywood or Branson, so. Um, How? I, 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 whoa, I whoa, hold on. Hold, hold. All right. Pause. Stop the whole yes. show right here. How, as a girl living in Tennessee, did you never go to Dollywood or like Pigeon Forge or anything? Like, how, how, did you go to well, Pigeon Forge and go to Dollywood? I went to how Pigeon did you not Forge, go to Dollywood? Gatlinburg all the time. So I'm just going to be honest and forthcoming here. I love Dolly Parton. Love her. Okay. So it's not anything to, about about Dolly. Um, but growing up, I was very, very loyal to Opryland. And I had season passes. I was, I mean, I was at Opryland all the time. So when Dollywood came to be. Well, it was, it was, it was already to be. But I, it like it outdates kept, Opryland. But yeah, go ahead. No, it. Doesn't it was something else. Opryland. It, it was something else, but yeah. It does not outdate Opryland. Opryland came in the 70s, and Dollywood came when I was, like, it came when I was growing up. So I remember when it was built. It opened in 1986. Yeah, so Dollywood did, but before it, it, it had other things. It was other things. Well, I mean, I would go to Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg. I would go and do other stuff, but I just had not, I, 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 had not been there. You're right. It was like Silver Dollar City and things yeah, like that. Yeah, it opened in 1961. But, well, I didn't do so, that because yeah. I went to Opryland. And okay. so then and you when you weren't it, alive the, in 1961. Right. So so then when it was really being marketed a lot, I didn't have a... If I was going to go to Pigeon Forge, I did other things. I didn't have a reason to go to Dollywood because I had Opryland. And Opryland went away when I was, I think, a senior in college. So then as an adult, I haven't really had any opportunities to go to Dollywood and um, not, you know, not really living uh, in Tennessee except for a couple of years there. So I just have never been. Yeah. And I still have to tell you, love Dolly Parton, but I would still pick Opryland any day over pretty much any amusement park. Um, But I can't because it's not there anymore. So. Man, I wish we still had Opryland in town. It would be such a huge, huge killer for the city. To have it right oh, now. Oh, I miss oh. it. I, I miss it very, very much. So, Can you imagine having the SBC annual meeting at Opryland Hotel and then being able to walk over and ride the, the, the Wabash, Wabash Cannonball, Cannonball. and yes. then come back and hear O.S. Hawkins you know, report? Right. You know? <laughs> yes. Screaming Delta Demon. I don't know why I picked, him out. I, I why I picked yeah. him out of the blue, but you know. Yeah, you know, screaming Delta Demon. In. I'm going to go stand in line, and then I'm going to go back to vote. You know, I, yeah. I just... I. I, I'm with you there, and I miss it. I miss it a lot. And Opry Mills is fine, but I would take Opryland back in a heartbeat. So yeah, yeah. All right, I, I would. Too. Anyway, but anyway, yeah. So I'm headed to Dollywood. Good so. for you. Masks on. Masks so on. Me and my family will have ours on. I don't. I'm not sure about the rest of East Tennessee, but we'll see. So, but COVID numbers doing well here. Got good news from the governor. 
and the city this past week. So things are in the right direction. Really kind of uh, getting ready for June, Amy. And we've got some annual meeting news that we'll get to in just a second to start off the show. We got an announcement and uh, we got a we got a new interview up this week at Baptist Press. But before we get going into that, SBC this week is sponsored by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary each and every week. Southwestern is where you can get the theological training and the hands-on experience you need to thrive in ministry. Wherever and however God is calling you to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission, Southwestern offers a degree path to equip you. Whether you're pursuing a bachelor, master's, or doctoral degree, Southwestern Seminary is here to walk alongside you as you live your calling. Learn more at swbts.edu. So uh, we'll see them in June. Our folks from uh, Southwestern, so that'll be exciting to see them here in June and, and everybody from around the Southern Baptist Convention. So I, I was out at Opryland this week talking to some of those guys, uh, you know, as we were getting prepped and everything and looking at some signage and stuff. And we, we really think that it's possible that the SBC annual meeting will be the largest event held in Nashville um, since the pandemic started. So it's it's possible oh, that, it, that it might be the largest thing because they canceled CMA Fest this past week. That's right. That's right. Don't Which be alarmed was, by that, folks. Don't be alarmed. Right. How many people usually come to the CMA Fest? 70,000 plus in each night of the concerts. Plus, you've got another 100,000 or so along the streets and in other venues. I mean, it's it's a million to two million, three million people a all week over the place in one right. week. So it's right, and it's and it's really economic driven. Like they've got to have pay for the concerts and stuff. So there was an economic decision behind that one, as much as it was a a health related, COVID related decision. So in, right. in my opinion, they probably won't come out and say that, but I think everybody who knows anything about economics and how much it takes to put on something of that magnitude knows that they would have lost their shirt had they not been able to have the crowds like they're used to having. Right. But it does it, it does mean, like you said, that we may end up having the the largest gathering. Yeah. So it yep. should be fun. All Since right. So started, speaking yes. of that largest gathering, we'll jump into the news this week. We've mentioned here on the podcast, we have four candidates right now for SBC president. We've been doing interviews with them over at Baptist Press. This week, Ed Litton was featured at Baptist Press. He's the third of the fourth candidates. I think Randy Adams is coming next week over Baptist Press. That interview will be uh, posted next week. So we've, we've been able to sit down with them and, and post those as we can and get those posted online. So uh, Ed Litton sat down with George Schroeder and myself and uh, sat down, talked, and really shared his heart about why he's running for president, the things he sees in the SBC that need addressing, and how he plans to address them if elected as president. Very good. And always important to remember, I know I sound like a broken record, that nominations are open until right before the moment to make them. So Still time to get 14 people in there. That's right. So these interviews can only cover the people who announce ahead of time. But uh, so, so that's one of the benefits of announcing ahead of time. But who knows, there could be someone that doesn't get a chance to get interviewed if it kind of gets decided at the last minute. Yeah. Which has happened. All right. Yeah. And and speaking of announcements, we have an announcement for the pastor's conference. Now, I had some questions about this. I had some people asking about this uh, at the EC meeting even a couple of weeks ago, that the pastor's conference isn't really, quote unquote, happening this year. It's the SIN conference, but it is the pastor's conference just rebranded as right. the SIN conference. So think because of it that way. Because they've, they've essentially outsourced to yes, NAM, to NAM and, IMB. and IMB. Right. Exactly. So going to be a great thing. Pastor's conference, SIN conference, whatever you want to call it this year. The SIN conference is going to be incredible. 
by the way. I mean, NAM is going all out. It's going to be insane. You're going to love it, folks. Please do register for that, sendconference.com. Do check that out. Do register. you got to register for it this year. You can't just show up and walk in like in years past. But there will be a time to nominate and elect the president and other officers for next year of for the Pastors Conference. So Matt Hensley, pastor and good friend of the pod, actually. We've talked about him a few times on here. I had him on an interview stage in Dallas, I think, back right. in 2018. He has been announced as a candidate for president of the Pastors Conference, Josh Revis from North Jacksonville Baptist Church in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, will be doing that nomination. And uh, and they're going to have it kind of in that same time in that Monday afternoon time slot where they usually have the the votes for president. Right. So Matt Hensley will be nominated for president of the 2022 Pastors Conference in Anaheim. So I have a question. All right, I got an answer. What, what, what you have said, uh, you know, you've laid that out, the – that it will be on Monday afternoon during that usual time. Will there be a clarity on the part of the organizers and everyone to make it clear when that time is just so that folks can be in I'm there sure there will the be. Moment. We'll work on that. How about that? Yes. I'm yep. sure it will be. So I, I would just say be in there the whole time and you don't have to worry right. about it. Right. You know me. I say for the entire event, be in there every moment that you can. Find your and seat so, and park your seat. <laughs> that's right. Park your seat in your Nicely seat. Nicely done. Nicely and done. stay there. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, in a little bit about Matt. Matt's out there in Mayhill, New Mexico. He's been pastor out there, previously pastored in Texas. Uh, was at Pipe Creek Baptist Church and a couple of other churches in the Dallas area. Has spent uh, a lot of time in ministry, almost 20 years, in fact. And then uh, finishing up his dissertation right now at Southwestern for his D-men. So, uh, he just he sent me a picture of it today. He's, he's turning it in. He just turned it in, and he defends it next Friday on the twelfth. So I told him, I said, "Stop being dissertation defense. Make it dissertation offense. Go on offense on your dissertation instead of defense." Oh, nice! I'm sure that all the academics That's of the world will love your your change of <laughs> terms. Yeah, Keith is rolling his eyes right now. I'm sure. That's right. Um, yes, at, at that. So, but yes, it, it should be a dissertation offense. Go on offense with your dissertation. Don't don't play defense. But um, yeah, so Matt is a graduate of Southwestern and uh, like I said, working on his demon over there and a pastor of a, I would, you'd call it a, a normative sized church. They run about 150 every week uh, out there in the mountains of New Mexico. So, you know, we, we've had a small church pastor, so to speak, uh, a few years ago, Dave Miller ran the 2017 pastors conference and Matt Hensley, another smaller church pastor is candidate for 2022. There you go. All right, Amy, it's the first of the month. You know what that means? CP. That's right. And uh, I got some some good news and maybe some not so good news. Good news is that we're still 3% above budget for the year after Very February. good. Bad news is we were like way off last year. But last year was a five-week month. So, you know, it had it's always going to be a little bit higher because you get that fifth week in there. And also, February, the churches and state conventions in the South were really hampered by extreme winter weather that we had. In February. I mean, I couldn't get out of my house for a week. So I can imagine churches that are trying to process offerings and get that money to the state convention and then state conventions trying to get that money on the national. There was probably right. some drag there. So that's pretty much the reason that it was so off of the previous year's total because it was like $4 million less than last year in February. But 
at the same time, it was right at budget. So the total February giving was a little bit under fifteen point five million, and the budget, you know, is fifteen point five seven two million. So a little bit over fifteen point five. So less than a hundred thousand dollars off budget for the month, but that means we're still three percent above for the year. So that that's good. We are over $80 million this year for the CP allocation budget through five months. That's about $2.5 million above the $77.8 million that we were expecting through five months. So we are up 3.1%. Designated gifts were also down in February, also due to that four-week four month versus a five-week month last year and the winter weather that we just mentioned. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that for m March and see if those bump back up after all those are processed. And uh, I do think there's some impact there. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll watch that and see what happens next month. All right. So we'll be halfway next month, Amy. Can you believe that we'll be halfway through the fiscal the year? Fiscal year after, well, after this month, really, after March. It has, it has flown. Kind of flown by, hasn't it? Man. Yes. I can't believe it's already March. It just feels like it's it's still January, but it's it's March already. We're coming up next week, the one year anniversary of kind of the the day the world shut down, at least here in the U.S. The day the country shut down, so to speak. Right. March eleventh. Yeah, so. it's it's a uh, it has felt like it went really slow and really fast all at the same time. Absolutely. All right, down to Alabama we go. Amy Judson College, something that we mentioned around the end of the year, we mentioned that they had uh, kind of launched some aggressive fundraising to try to stay open for the spring. They were able to achieve that. You remember they needed that like $500,000 by the end of the year and another million commitment to to finish out the the spring semester. They did that. And they've also got a report back from a consultant, a higher education consultant about the future of the college, but they have now proposed a 30-day commitment campaign to try to raise $5 million in unrestricted funds by April the 2nd. So basically they're saying, if we're going to continue on as Judson College, the future of Judson really is dependent on fundraising over the next month and to be able to chart the course that we need to chart based on the report from the consultant. And this is what we need. Yeah, so this is in some ways similar to what uh, in the women's college world, which is I went to a women's college, so I, I track a lot of these things. Uh, you Sweet are a woman, Breyer, after all. Yeah, Sweetbriar uh, went through this in Virginia some time back, something very similar where they had a lot of fundraising efforts to keep the school going. And so Judson is in that situation right now. Uh, so it will be it will be very interesting to see a lot of times when, you know, when things like this happen, graduates can really band together to keep the place going. So we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, there's some information and a link to the report in the Baptist Press story. Uh, just a lot of financial data, financial information in there. So if you're interested in that and higher education and the future of Judson College, uh, go over and check that out at Baptist Press. The link, as always, is in the show notes. And then over to IMB, Amy. I love this. This is something I've been wanting to see for so long. They have yes. launched a gap year program through their Nehemiah Teams initiative. Yeah, this is really cool. And I, I'm excited to see this. So gap years are, are something that have really become more and more of a thing lately. And that's where a student will graduate high school and then sort of take a year off before college, not to just sit around, but to, to do something. So maybe it's to do well, a particular Well, let's be fair. Program. Some of them do just sit around. 
Okay. But that's not, I don't know that they call that a gap year. That, that's true. They, they call gap it a gap year. year, but that's not really a gap year. Yeah. Right. Gap year, and it means that there is. Well, I go and do something. A, I stay right, and work to try to, to save up for college to start the next year or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. So this is the Nehemiah team's program that typically focuses on summer missions opportunities. Well, this is a new initiative called NT365, and it is an IMB gap year. And they're actually launching it for college graduates as well. And it is designed to help students discover uh, if if God's purpose for their lives may involve mission for them, it may involve missions for them to help discern where they fit in in fulfilling the Great Commission. And so it takes takes programs that are already in place, but lets them be a part of it for an entire year. So I, I think this is pretty cool. And, you know, we've, we have had some other groups like our seminaries. Some of our seminaries have gap year programs that are connected with their colleges, things like that, uh, have a, a worldview certificate or something. But this is a very hands-on thing. I think the IMB is particularly well positioned to have a gap year program. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something from Nam down the line as well. But this is something you and I've talked about kind of offline that, you know, there's it's a huge thing that's happening with college age students, you know, students that are done with high school, not really ready yet to go into college or looking to do something in that year. And for us to have a program to be able to offer for high school graduates as well as college graduates, as you said, uh, that's just phenomenal. And it's just going to help build the pipeline more. GoTo has already taken off and already really helping build the pipeline. I mean, GoTo has been a massive success. We haven't talked about that nearly as much as we probably should have here on the podcast or even just in general in the SPC. But GoTo has helped build the pipeline for both NAM and IMB so much in just a year and a half or so, however long it's been going. So less than two years. And just really incredible to see that and this and to know that, hey, our goal is to grow those missionaries by 500 by the end of 2025, part of Vision 2025. That's just a phenomenal thing for us to have these programs in place to help build those pipelines. Yes, very much so. Finally, Amy, we have a legal update from Texas. Uh, Last week, we got word that the sexual abuse lawsuit against Judge Paul Pressler that had been dismissed in 2018, that dismissal has been overruled, and the case is back in the system uh, based on some decisions by a appeals court in Texas. Right. The, the decision was specifically related to the statute of limitations. Um, when the case was dismissed, it was on the grounds that the statute of limitations had expired. This ruling from February 25th indicated that the plaintiff suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder and that it had affected his ability to report the abuse allegations that make the basis for this lawsuit to report that sooner. And so essentially said the statute of limitations does not apply here. So the case is back in play. We'll continue to monitor that. But essentially, after that was dismissed, you just had a a moment where different sides were appealing back and forth. And now it's back to continue proceeding. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that one. All right. Well, we will. And uh, we'll let you know if anything else comes in that. I, there might be an appeal of the appeal as well. So we'll kind of keep an eye on that and see what happens. Things like this are always reminders. You know, a lot of these cases can take a very long time because of the different 
you know, grounds that certain sides are pursuing and then the appeals process. So, you know, it's not over till it's over. Absolutely. All right. Well, that brings us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. I want to go back to 1951. We're going way back. Yes, we are. To really just take a look and compare with what it was like to get ready for the annual meeting for those who are are planning. So we've got pre-registration open. We've got uh, lots going on. Hotel registration is is uh, continuing. You know, it, it sort of maxed out and then we added more hotels, things like that. Well, there's a story in this issue of Baptist Press in uh, Mar- on March 5th that is calling folks to make sure that they reserve their hotel rooms in San Francisco. But messengers were cautioned to be sure to send deposit money enough for one night's lodging. The Southern Baptist Housing Bureau made this announcement. Miss Marion Keller made the announcement. But this is what I found very interesting. She said, The deposit requirements of our various hotels vary in wording, but the intent is the same for all to obtain a sufficient deposit to cover the first night's rent. Since it is impossible to ask people to send in an exact amount until they know the price of the accommodations which they will be assigned, a rate of $10 a room or a minimum of $5 per person in cases of multiple occupancy is requested since this usually covers the cost of a room. That That is quite a difference from the hotel reservation process of today. Can you imagine all right, so there's a couple things in this one that blow my mind. All right, number one is obviously mailing stuff in. I like right, I yes. other than Christmas cards and maybe a bill from here and there. I don't remember the last time I put anything in the mail. Number one, yes. Uh, number two, ten dollars a night. Whoa! All right, yes. Number three, you were assigned a hotel. You didn't choose your hotel. That's right. So Miss Keller assigned your hotel. Marion Keller told you where you're staying. So, That's right. you know, you might, you might, if you were doing this today, you might want to send in $10 for your room and $10 for Miss Keller. So, <laughs> to get a good room. Yes. Give us a good one. So, it also mentioned that This for one's the, for you, Miss Keller. Why and don't you, and you, it was you know, essentially- Buy yourself something nice. That's right. And it essentially was just like, hey, send this money in. Can you imagine how- like Marion Keller had to manage all of this. Like we have a system, we have a reservation system that is in place that kind of does everything, but she had to manage all of this and well, fair enough. Um, But she had to manage all of this, making the reservations and getting the money where it needed to go. I, she, I mean, she, she did this without the benefit of spreadsheets and all of that. Maybe she, well, I'm sure she had spreadsheets. I guess she had a ledger book. She had a ledger book. You know, she had a massive ledger book. She had to. So it also says that for the larger hotels, $10 might be too little for the smaller too much. Um, but it did say, however, if any deposit is sent, the hotels seldom bother to request an additional amount since a delegate is almost as loath to forfeit $5 as $10 or more. So it was like, send $10 in and that probably will take care of your room. 
So remember, this is back in the day when, you know, then they would run out of rooms, they would have no more assignments, so people would open up their homes, or they would get train cars, or whatever. Okay, so I just looked up how much $10 worth worth in today's money in 1951. Okay, how much? You want to guess? No, I don't make me just do take, a math take game. Just take a shot. Take Please, a, it's no, math. do not You're make me math. do a take math a game. I'm terrible at math. Just it's tell gonna me. Be, it's going to be higher than you think. Let's put it that way. Just tell me. I'm going to Google. $104.19. Wow. That's See, actually a pretty you. good deal on a hotel room. Well, it is a pretty good deal in a hotel right now. Hotels cost more than they did back then. Uh, I mean, yes. not just in dollars, but just in it, it whatever. But right. That's that's a lot of money to be able to like. It's basically saying, "Hey, throw down a hundred dollar, hundred dollar re- to uh, deposit. send in the mail to Marion Keller." She had a lot of money coming in. So, Man. Uh, anyway, I just I found it interesting. I always like to think about things that we're doing right now, and a lot of folks are focusing on making their plans and to look and see what that was like at another time. And so we were talking about registration and hotels. Just like today, we were talking about it in 1951, this week in SBC history. You know so, what I would like to to talk to? Like, what? more than likely, I mean, Marion Keller, she's probably not with us today. It's been 70 years. I'm just going right. to go out on that limb and say that Miss Keller is no longer with us. Now, I would love to talk to maybe one of her kids who knew what mom did and how she did it and yes. what all that entailed. That would that be would very be phenomenal. Because yes. you know that she had to go to, she probably had to, she couldn't fly to San Francisco probably. She probably drove to San Francisco. Or took early a train. The, you know, or took a train. Took a train or maybe. took a train. Yes. Well, either way, that's a haul. All right. And had to talk and meet with all these hotels and line out and book rooms. Right. And then. I bet she was a very, very gifted woman. I, you better believe it. I mean, that is a massive job. And I bet she was phenomenal with it. Yes. So that's just, I, I would love to know more about what all that entailed in the 1950s. I, I wish we could find something at the office that was like, Dear Diary, today I got on a train. Well, we should look. We should we should go look. We should go look yes. in the files and see if we can find some of the old hotel reservations. So I'm going to be in the office next week. So maybe we'll have a few minutes to yes. go see if there's anything. Or we could go talk maybe- to Taffy. And see if she's I was going to say, something. maybe Taffy has something. Marion Keller's diary would be fascinating. Only I think it would be strange if she left a diary at the office. But anyway, we'll, we'll, but I mean, we'll like see her, what we can her, find like, out about the system. Like I'm right. talking about like her, her, her book of the, her ledger. how she did the it. Ledger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, all the checklists people, that she had to have for all that stuff. That'd be phenomenal. Lots of people keep things like that. All right. So. Well, especially back it. then. Because that, that yes. was, I mean, that was the hard drive. So. Yes, it was. All right. Well, that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? Mine is music this week. Something I didn't even know was coming until I just stumbled on it. Oh, those are the best right, kinds. So I am I I am a Willie Nelson fan. Oh. But this took have a probably turn. become more if probably become more of a Willie Nelson fan in the last few years. So, you know, all my life have listened to to some of his music, but have really listened a lot more in recent years. He dropped a new album on February 26th, that is a cover album of Frank Sinatra songs. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Pause. Yeah. A, a, a cover album of Frank Sinatra stuff from Willie Nelson. 
Yes. Who, who was actually, asking for this? All right. So Willie Nelson, actually, one of his great albums is called Stardust, and it was released in 1978, and it is an album of American standards. And it's incredible. I love that album. And when I was watching the Ken Burns documentary on country music, it talked about that, how he would uh, he would sing some of those songs at his concerts, and a lot of his fans had never even heard them before. So then he did one of uh, American standards. So this is one that's a tribute to Frank Sinatra, and I absolutely love it. It's called That's Life. Um, it has, it, it, I mean, it has, you know, 11 different songs. Um, but in the wee small hours of the morning is one of my favorite Sinatra songs. And I love Carly Simon's cover of it as well, but Willie Nelson just does an incredible job with it. So I, that is that, that's my resource of the week. I love it. All right. Well, I'll, I'll check that out. Just, just for the novelty of it, if nothing else. That is a bit different. But I'm starting to think like some of the ballads that he sang. Yes. Are kind of that, they have that American standard feel. So it, it, you could yeah. see. And it's, like, and it's you, kind of the message. You were always on I, my mind. It, it, that's Willie Nelson, right? Yeah. I could see yeah. Frank Sinatra singing that. Yes. And, it's a, and it, it, it brings together a couple of favorites because I love Sinatra music. Love it. Okay. So then you bring Willie Nelson's voice in. Really good. All right. Well, that's uh I did not yep, expect that. You didn't that. see that coming. You didn't see that coming. All right, what's your nope, resource? I didn't. Mine is a new book from John Piper. It's called Providence. It just came in the mail this week, and I I pre-ordered it when I saw it was coming. It's a it's a tome, Amy, like seven hundred and something pages. It's a beast. It's a big old boy, and I just cracked it the other night and started reading it, and um, it's really good. Like the introduction, I was just like. Like, you know, a book's going to be good whenever you read the introduction and you're like, wow, I'd never thought of that. And whoa, that's incredible. So that's my resource of the week. So it's Providence by John Piper. It's uh, his newest work. It's a beast. And it's talking about the sovereignty of God and uh, what he calls God's purposeful sovereignty and just how we don't understand the ways of God. And it just, it's a good, humbling view of the greatness of God and his providence and his sovereignty. So there you go. I mean, yeah, it, it's fantastic. So uh, get it online and we'll link to it and uh, highly recommend that. So. All right. All right. All right. So, Hey, real quick before we go, Amy, we, we did get some sad news this week from a, a friend of, uh, about a friend of the pod. Up yeah, in Oklahoma. I saw this, saw this last night and I was really, really sad to see it. Yes. Bob Mayfield passed away yeah most of you are thinking well who's bob mayfield we would love to tell you about him so he was a ministry leader and sunday school specialist who served with oklahoma baptist uh the state convention staff and he also had served in arizona as well um he spoke a lot at lifeway sunday school events and really really was able to help churches to revitalize their Sunday school programs and small group ministry as well. Uh, so he had a, a, an initiative called reconnect Sunday school. And that's, that was the tool that he did that, that through, but he was a good friend of the pod was a listener and sent us, sent us a couple of mugs, sent you a yes. mug and, and me a mug that is one of my favorites. So Arthur mm-hmm. Flake, who is considered to be kind of the, pioneer the sbc pioneer of the sunday school movement um it says arthur flake is my homeboy 
and has yeah. a picture of Arthur Flake. And I used to have it at, at and Southeastern. And then the other side has the Flake's formula. Yes, it does. The, the five so, things. And, and so in the show notes, we need to put something about Arthur Flake in there because if you're not familiar with him, so we'll put the the obituary that, that the Baptist messenger ran uh, for Bob Mayfield. We'll also put up some information about Arthur Flake if you are not familiar with him. But I had set that mug uh, on one of my shelves in my office at Southeastern. And then, of course, when I uh, left Southeastern and, and was working here, I, I brought it home. And it's one of my favorite mugs. So it's a good really, mug. Really, really It's like neat, got a good shape a, and everything. Yeah. Yes. And then it just, it, it was just meaningful. It came with a, a really nice handwritten note. And so we, I never met him in person. Nope. I don't think you, you did either, but just to get that was incredibly thoughtful. And it meant a lot um, that he really, you know, listened, listened to this and, and was as interested in the, um, in engaging in the convention as we are. And so we were sad to see that. Yes. So our, our prayers are with the Oklahoma Baptist family, as well as the Mayfield family. Bob, you will be missed. Absolutely. All right, folks, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>